The following program deals with a controversial subject. The theories expressed are not the only possible interpretation. Viewers are invited to make a judgment based on all available information. This is your captain speaking. We are beginning our descent into madness. And we are back to another edition of What's So The Rocky Sound, Frank. Uh, and boy, are we going to get people something good tonight. Genevieve, how are you doing over there? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. You see what good. I did there? I tied in the song. I think I think that's a thing. Yeah, I think that's a did thing. Did anyone actually notice that? Anyways, tonight we have a really, really great show. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to have our guest, Robert Perella, tonight. Uh, before we bring him on, Genevieve, as it has become the custom... Mm-hmm. Could you be so kind to introduce our guest for the night? Of course. So, um, Robert Perella is the internationally acclaimed author of The Divine Blueprint and The Divine Architect. Known as one of North America's most unique clairvoyants, he's also a US correspondent for The People's Voice, based in London, and has also been featured on CNN, The Fox Network, Showtime, and Coast to Coast, to name but a few. His humanitarian relief efforts as Director of Development for the United Nations Association led him to being awarded the prestigious Certificate of Congressional Recognition at Stanford University in 2007 with the support of programs with Adopter Minefield and UNICEF. He has a background in event management as well as experience hosting his own radio show and hosting a popular local television show in Mount View called Technology and Trends. Robert is also a singer and songwriter producing Whatever Happened to the American Dream for the motion picture documentary Just Sign Here. We'll also be playing one of his tunes later on during our top of the hour break for your listening pleasure. And with that, I'd like to introduce Mr. Perala onto our show, West of the Rockies. Hi. <laughs> Hello, Robert. Can you hear us okay? Hello, guys. Yes, it's more than an honor to be here. Oh, no, thank you. The, the honor is all ours. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for, for uh, joining us tonight. Um, we honestly, I mean, we read uh, a bit about you and, 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 the, and the things you do, and we are really fascinated to, to hear uh, some of these things that, that, and, you know, the information that you can share with our listeners tonight. Uh, but why don't we go back to the beginning? Because I, as I was reading a little bit about some of the experience you've had, I know that it involves, um, I don't know if I should use the, the word an alien encounter or an alien abduction. Uh, can you can you take us back to that moment really quick? Because I'm, I'm fascinated with that uh, phenomenon. Yeah, this, this is sort of something that happens maybe once in one's lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, it's happened to others. It's, uh, it's the thing that's followed me around. I didn't it happened when I was very young. I was 21 years old, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't go public with it until truly until 1992. And then in 1998, the book came out. It was very successful, so it was nice. So mm-hmm. now, all these years later, I still ride with this story. And basically, it's it's this. Um, <clears throat> I was on the California nevada border in the area of what's called lake tahoe Mm -hmm. and there's an area there that's called heavenly valley uh it's a ski resort basically and we had a a cabin that was off the side of this ski resort and Mm -hmm. um 
and I was a young man and just studying metaphysics. I was studying Maharishi. You remember Maharishi? Yes, the, yes, of course, yes. You know, and all that, and the thoughts were things, and that they had the ability to travel and this kind of stuff. So I was sort of looking into all this metaphysical stuff. And, mm -hmm. and um, that night, uh, I was uh, sleeping downstairs, and suddenly, um, out of the blue, with the whole room just lit up like an arcing storm. There were flashes of blue and white and indigo mm. and lightning, and all of a sudden, I shot up out of bed, and, and I, it, the sound was deafening. It was very loud. And um, I was terrified. I had no idea what was happening. The whole room was just lit up wow. with all these flashes of what looked like um, balls of light and then lightning. And suddenly, somehow, I know this sounds incredible, but this is, this is the same story I've told a million times in one form or another. The ceiling opened up and mm -hmm. down came what looked like three eight-and-a-half-foot-tall astronauts of some kind. Oh, wow. And they wore, they wore silver suits. The suits themselves seemed to even be alive and glowed like the sun. Mm. And they had visors and helmets. I didn't see any faces. Mm -hmm. They didn't speak to me. Um, and suddenly as I screamed, you know, because the deafening sound and the incredible um, activity in the room. Right. I started to scream as I shot up, at, you know, more in bed. And I started to scream as I did. I was suddenly frozen, held in place by what was kind of like a blue lighted cocoon. And mm -hmm. with that, suddenly, all of a sudden, I was just hovering over the bed, and I was prone, and I was locked in position in this blue light. And um, these astronauts, uh, cosmonauts of some kind, um, somehow had the ability to drop away the side of the house, and there was a tunnel, and this great big tunnel of light. You know when you see the movie Contact? Yeah. Do you remember the movie Contact, Jodie Foster? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm okay to go. The guy presses the button, and, you know, the... The ton, the swirling tunnel happens, and she goes through this vortex, right? Right, um, right. Miles an hour, and actually, you know, guys, that looks very much like that. I, you know, that 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 what she went through mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. very close. Oh wow! Only, only you would have to imagine it extraordinarily painful. I, I would love to say that this was a lovely experience, and I saw the light. <laughs> That's not this story. <laughs> this story is very painful. And I went through it, and suddenly I was hovering in a room, and a great big glass, mm -hmm. like obelisk object, was interfacing with me. Mm -hmm. And it seemed to do something with me. I didn't know what it exactly do. You might say it almost interfaced with me. And then it was very short. I, I don't remember how long I was there, and I don't. I didn't. There was no one waiting for me on the other side. There was no little man there. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> little aliens of right. anything like that waiting for me. All I knew is, is that it suddenly I started firing backwards and it felt like um, my voice was, I remember my voice screaming and it felt like it was way behind me in another room. Oh, wow. Crying out, you know, I was like a little particle point trying to find an anchor for itself because I didn't feel mm -hmm. that I had complete form or anything. And then suddenly... I was hovering above the bed. I was in the room again. The storm is continuing. I'm lower down on the bed. And with that, these astronauts go up. The ceiling closes up. And I lied there for the next two hours in shock. I was sunburned from head to toe. And oh, wow. Soaked in like a, like a honey or an oil material. And I threw up over the side of the bed. 
Mm-hmm. And I crawled eventually after oh, probably laying there at least an hour and a half. I crawled over the side of the bed and crawled up to the vanity mirror and turned on the light and saw that I was all sunburned and I was had the stuff all over me. And that's what happened. And, and from that point, I, I actually went back to my little apartment in Los Gatos, California. And that was actually, believe it or not, the first day uh-huh. I was going to live by myself. I'd lived with my parents and then I had roommates uh-huh. for two, or two years or whatever. And I actually moved into my apartment, which I'd moved into before the holiday began. I closed the door and I stayed there for three months. Wow. I didn't tell anybody what happened. Wow. I went, I did go to work eventually about a mm-hmm. week later, but I didn't say a word about what happened because I, I didn't know. I didn't know anything about abductions. I didn't know what it was. I wasn't ready to say what it was. I just knew something very weird happened. So prior to that, when you were um, uh, studying metaphysics and all that, you you didn't have much of an interest in the UFO alien phenomena, it sounds like. God, you know, you guys, honest to God, I, I did to a slight degree. I okay. think it was a curiosity. Mm-hmm. I think it was mm-hmm. a curiosity in some ways. Um, I remember my mom, you know, in the 60s, you know, when I was a little boy, I'm 59 mm-hmm. now, when I was a little boy, they used to hold seances, you know, they used to always say things like, well, if the furniture was moving by yourself, by itself, you were probably over at the Perella's house. <laughs> really? Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so, so you're so, familiar yeah. with, with that sort of vibe, I guess. Yeah, yeah, Genevieve, it, it, it was like, wow, you know, like, uh, we had a, my mother was very interested in this, mm-hmm. and they, were, they had these ladies used to come over the house, and they used to try to contact the dead, you know, and, and now it's really funny because my sister, you know, still, who, she lives in Boise, Idaho, and I mm-hmm. live way out here in the hip California where anything <laughs> goes, right? Right, so right. You know, she goes, come on, come on, Robert, come on, man. She says, what's it all about? Come on. First it was UFOs and then it was trying to raise the dead and bring dad back and everything. You're scaring the family. Come on. Wow. <laughs> you know? Wow. And right. it was like she's like that, you know, like she doesn't mm-hmm. understand me. So yeah, that's uh, a true story. So do you think um your and or your family's interests uh had an effect or not not an effect, but do you think it your experience and experiences were related to that background or do you think people can and will experience certain things you know irrelevant of their previous interests and dabblings you know i think that we're predisposed to it uh, to one degree or another I, i think it happens both ways i think some kids are grown into families mm-hmm. into um you know, conservative Christian families, mm-hmm. and then suddenly something wild happens to the one child and the rest of the family yeah. looks at them and goes, what's this? And I think it works the other way, too. They can be predisposed to meditation mm-hmm. and, and understanding um, metaphysical and spiritual principles and then, and then, and then try on, you know, uh, connecting to the universe, and, and then it doesn't happen. And then it does years later. So I, I don't really know about the timing of how all this works, why this happens to some and why it mm-hmm. doesn't happen to others. I don't know. And what mm-hmm. got you started in your studies of metaphysics? Was it, uh, you know, your, your family's interest in, in it? Well, yeah, you know, my mom, you know, my, my mom was reading, I remember her reading Strangers Among Us by Ruth Montgomery. And she was interested in extraterrestrials. And there mm-hmm. was like Cosmic Fire by Alice Bailey. And there were all these 
older books. This was all before the sort of modern, you know, so many books on the subject of right. the body and, and abductions that, that are so prevalent now. This In those days, it was sort of taboo. You almost had to sneak into the corner of the library mm-hmm. and say, do you have this book? And, you know, right, right. <laughs> and they would go, yeah, we have it, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> How times have changed, right? <laughs> Yeah, for sure. But they they were they she was actually interested in it. And um for me, I I was um you know, I've been in music my whole life. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was 12 years old, you know, John Lennon said something very profound and I never forgot it. It was a real game changer for me. And he, he came back from the Himalayas. Mm-hmm. This would be about the end of 67, beginning of 68 actually. People forget that when they went over there that um John and George actually lived there in an ashram with Maharishi and Rishi Kesh for four months. Uh, wow. While the other two, Paul and Ringo, only stayed for about three weeks. But people forget that period that there was a long time where John and George were over there. And yeah. when he came back, the media asked John, so what did you learn with Maharishi? Mm-hmm. What, what, what is this? And he said, well, he told us that thoughts were things and that they you could send thought forms and, into the universe. Somebody can hear that. But... Also, that you had to you had to learn to sit and be still, hmm. or you're never gonna know. Wow! You know, I said, mm-hmm. sit and be still, or you're never gonna know. I said, well, I'm gonna try and sit still and see what the, what it is, see if something comes to right. forth. You know, so that that's the big impression on me as a young guy. And I read that you uh, have seen apparitions all your life. When did you realize? I guess that's my question. That that the people, or at least who you thought were people, were not actually there. The very first time, I was probably only five, and I saw an angel in the room. It only stood about seven inches tall, and it was a female looking at me. And I remember mm. that very vividly and, and being very startled by it. But then later on, I started seeing men, women, and children in the room, and they would be in the middle of the night. I'd wake up, and there would be people standing in the room. And I think now is what we understand these to be discarnates, you know, people who would just simply run out of time in the material plane and return back to where we are most of the time. Mm. Actually, we're on the other side most of the time, and we're only taking a sojourn into the material plane for an interim time here, sort of as an adjunct to our our spiritual studies. And it's very deceiving because we think this is it, Mm -hmm. and the other side is the mystery. But actually, we live on the other side most of the time, and we're just sort of passing through this dense material plane to as an adjunct to our study. So, and I saw men and women and children. I would go downstairs and tell my mom about it. And um, she was very fascinated by it. They brought me to some different doctors that would say, well, tell us, you know, what is this? You know? And I said, well, doesn't everybody see this? And they go, no. And I'd say, well, there was a man in my room last night, or there was a woman in my room and um, you could kind of see through them. And I saw that quite often. And so later, what's interesting was, in 19, what would that be, about end of, uh, maybe early, no, not, late 1998, 99, quite a ways now, but the motion picture, The Sixth Sense, came out. And right. you remember the right. famed line where the kid says, I see dead people. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I went on radio and my book was just coming out, and I was very fortunate, today it's harder, but in those days, you know, the internet wasn't as prevalent, and mm-hmm. I was very fortunate that my book was in all the Barnes and Nobles, and it was in all the borders. I mean, it literally, it, it took very quickly. It was a 
great spike. It might not happen ever again, but it, it was then. And when the book was doing well, I was doing a lot of radio at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, and they would were comparing me to the boy in the sixth sense. Mm-hmm. And so that actually fueled the story and then got people interested in the idea that, you know, your discarnates, your, your loved ones, I can tell your audience now that if you have a loved one mm-hmm. and you have lost this loved one, it might be a husband, it might be a wife, or worse yet, it may be a child that goes before you. I can absolutely promise you, you will see them again. Wow. You will see them again, just because they ran out of time here on the material plane in some condition, no matter how strange it may look, took them out and they could not withstand the plane here anymore. Um, the every every bit of business that you want to discuss with them or work out with them, you will absolutely get that chance again. That is absolutely recaptured. Let me ask you this, because this is obviously very, very uh, uh, profound information. Where is it that we come from? <laughs> Which I know it's a question that uh, kids ask a lot, you know. Where did I come from? Uh, but where where do we come from? Uh, we arrive here for, for a set amount of time, and then you say we return to this place. Where Where is this uh, plane of existence? Yeah. Um, you know, I took a lot of flack for this some time ago on, on Coast to Coast. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said on the show, I said, you know, in the Lost Books of Job, there's uh-huh. actually a section in there where it says, you are descendants of the house of Pleiades and the mm-hmm. house of Cirrus and the house of Orion. And they were talking about a declaration on the stars. And as we sort of like move through the studies in the esoteric, and we find there's more and more biblical references to this this temple or or, or uh, the house of of Pleiades, when the references to the seven sisters, uh, they call it the seven sisters in the Bible, and this is the area of Tegeta, Maya, Era, Electra, Alcyon, Marope, a couple of others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they were referring to the constellation, and in Deep hypnosis and regression, we see over and over that people seem to be able to describe an area um, of, a, of a plane of existence that it was a previous incarnation before they were birthed in the human kingdom. And this is where we get a lot of people kind of saying, well, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I believe I'm from Arcturus. You know, or I believe I'm, a, you know, a part reptilian. And we even see the reptilian part come out in people. We, we've seen it right. actually actually materializing in people's faces and eyes. I've seen it myself, even when the eye turned to a cat's eye on a particular woman. And we see this. So we think that basically they're coming, we're coming from different areas of existence and then coming into the human kingdom here to learn the principles and mastery of... Um, Relationship mastery, mm-hmm. you know, physical mastery, okay. emotion, emotional mastery for, for the emotional body, which is the big one here. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. No, it's true. You know, a, a lot of people uh, tend to worry about life after death and what's going to happen after we die. But um, you have spent a lot of time uh, uh, focusing on, yeah, on uh, focusing on uh, life before uh, birth, which I find extremely fascinating. So, 
you see life, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm paraphrasing wrong, but it, you see life as just this continuous process as opposed to a cycle. Is that correct? Yeah, although actually both are correct, I think. There's a cyclic aspect of, you know, material, non-material, material, non-material. And then there's this continuous that really, I mean, no one can even trace back, you know, to really any beginning. We, it seems that, that we can trace back in not too distant past, but the original spark origin of life itself, no one's been able to capture that. Um, and so... Um, yeah, life before birth. Well, it, it's sort of a metaphorically might work like this. Um, before you come here, you're in what's called the, what we call the interlife. We explain this actually more in the second book, Divine Architect. And in the interlife is, is this, um, semi-etheric state. It's where you're in your light body and, and you're who you are. You don't have the limitation of, decay and the cells and the body and, and skin and bone structure and everything else because you don't have that. What you have is the essence of who you are. Mm -hmm. And at some point you may be called forward by a committee and a guides and people that you know that you don't remember on this side and they will say, look, there's a really wonderful opportunity to advance your spirit's growth and this mm -hmm. is in this area of the human kingdom we're seeing for you. We are sort of karmic-bound souls, so some will come in with tremendous limitation. You know, I, was, I was always wondering, like, how did, like, Princess Diana get to be born Princess Diana, mm -hmm. you know, in her in her life, now she's right. gone, but, or any of those people that, that live with extraordinary advantages to right from birth. I mean, they literally are born with comfort, wealth, health, and looks and an extraordinary life, mm -hmm. and they're just coming into the, you know, into into life. While another is born as a poor black child in a Rwandan village, right, right, or, or limitations in North Korea where they're put into a, a very strange, strict ideology. Mm -hmm. This is the karmic grid line, and and then they'll look at, okay, what time zone you're going to come into, what geographic location you'll come into what family you will come into and most importantly what are the lessons we must learn at this time to further the evolution of the spirit of, of our of our of our of our spiritual um, essence of who we are mm -hmm. and so they might say and this is a metaphoric model it makes it easy for people to understand without it getting so esoteric oh my god <laughs> you know if jj hertek were listening to me on the phone he said you know he would say let me tell you let me tell you in, in real science terms what this is. He'd, he'd do a better job than, than <laughs> I would, you know, and we're good friends. I love JJ. He's fantastic, you know, but they, there might be, there might, you might say that there'll be a catch at the end to say, listen, be, before you go to this experience, you, you won't remember us. You won't remember this place mm -hmm. and you won't remember this experience. You see, you're going to go to sleep. And when mm -hmm. you do, you wake up on the other side. And here's the interesting thing. You, you, you leave, and most, um, if not always, you actually watch your own birth. You're actually standing in the room watching yourself come out of the womb. Wow. Mm -hmm. And watching a process that you're going through. And only part of your essence is infused into the baby form that's causing the heart to beat and the mm -hmm. blood to flow mm -hmm. and the lungs to palpitate and breathe. 
and you look at your own birth and and everything else and then as you sort of um grow up each day and, and more and more of you is going in you the form day by day by day and to, so you grow up and you learn form language symbols this is uh you know identity this is my room this is my parents mm-hmm. these are my things this is my language and you grow up a little more and a little more and you come so accustomed to the material plane that you'll deny everything I just told you. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, and, and then everybody grows very arrogant and goes, oh, I don't know about living before this. Come on, Robert. And there's nothing after this is done. I mean, really, there's no proof of that. And I'm going, well, you have, you, you're not telling me about your belief. You're telling me you haven't done any homework. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Um, so moving on to the next question we have, um, you know, you say the divine intelligence is all around us, but, um, could you tell us a bit more about the divine intelligence, what you found out and how would you explain what this is to someone who isn't, you know, into it and has no knowledge about this? Yeah. The origin of thought. Hmm. Well, this comes in a myriad of different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've been meditating for a long time, and I was always fascinated by, you know, if we could shut down the rational analytical mind, mm-hmm. and if we could step aside from the ego, which is a fantastic thing for me, Genevieve, trust me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my, my, oh, I have yeah. to talk to my ego in the morning and say, come on, look, let's not take everyone's inventory all day, huh? Shall we? <laughs> let's, be a, let's be a vessel for the divine, shall we? Um, when one sits still, you begin to learn that in the ethers, mm-hmm. there is a sort of network. And in this network, there is um, a flow of visitors that are going around and okay. they're watching the human experience and they're learning from us and in one stillness you can begin to sense that there is something there this takes a long time this is not an easy process it's mm-hmm. a, i mean some will say well it's an easy process okay maybe for some it is well you know it, it's it's really it depends on the person the intelligence itself is surrounding everything. It's, 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 um, you know, it was really described wonderfully when I was a kid in the movie Star Wars, of all things. You know, you remember the scene where I think it was Luke who asked Obi-Wan, he said, tell me the nature of the Force. Mm, right, yeah. And Obi-Wan said, ah, but it is around you, it is within you, it combines all things together. There is no place the Force is not. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, so this essence force is driving everything, and within that, um, it's it's invisible, and we're it's a platform and a matrix by which we can survive in. In the middle of all this is the sun, and the sun is actually charging this intelligence that's around us. It's sort of like illuminating everything. It it's rays have energy and actually uh, uh, permeate the troposphere, the ionosphere. And then it permeates um, the earth, you know, light to day and day to night, etc. Um, so we're actually a part of, uh, it, it's sort of like a charging unit. And uh, in the meantime, the 
infinite amount of molecules that are unseen have this network of channels that are within it. And right now we're on channel sort of three, mm-hmm. and your thought forms are kind of straddling between three and the fourth density, the ether that's invisible just beyond us. And those thoughts actually are going on not so much in your head in the middle of the brain, which is where we typically like to say it's happening. Your thoughts are actually going on just above your head. There's actually like a, in your chakra, in your crown chakra, just above your head is Mm -hmm. this essence light. And it's it's actually, that's really the real consciousness of of where you are. The brain is sort of like a memory and Mm -hmm. housing unit. Um, Am I correct in remembering that... um, I remember listening to one of your talks. It, it may have been a contact in a desert last year, and you talk about mm. this crown chakra. And um, I, I recall you saying that the, you know, the various guides, spiritual guides, whatever you'd like to call them, this is how they talk to you. They talk to you via this crown chakra, and I believe you said something along the lines of, if you just shut off for a moment and let the thoughts flow you know, someone somewhere might actually be listening and interact and respond. Am I remembering that correctly? You are. I don't remember. I would love to meet you. You were contacting the desert. Where are you from? Um, Originally, originally I I was born in Germany, but I've lived in England for a few years. Oh, okay. The top of your accent is slightly British. My wife is from Berkshire. Okay. about 50 minutes west of London, and my stepdaughter lives in, in Reading, which is in Berkshire, and my son yeah, lives that's in this, London. Yeah, uh, um, I lived in Kent. Oh, lovely. Yes, lovely place. that's the same area. Yeah, yeah, good, good, good. <laughs> yeah, Contact in the Desert. It was fun last year. It's coming up again this year. I'll mm-hmm. be one of the MCs and presenting, at, I think, at 8 o'clock in the, in the sanctuary on mm-hmm. Friday night, which I thought they were going to give that to one of these you know, Sukulos or one of these other guys. <laughs> Seems they're going to take a chance on me, I guess. At that, well, you're mighty bold. Because I don't think. Well, I think I think they got it right. But, it sounds like they picked the right guy. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, maybe they did because they have a way of uniting people, and I love people. I, I like making other people feel important. And and my job, as our job is, is really like your radio show is. It's a wonderful thing that we're here to move, touch, and inspire people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what our job you know, really is. I don't really consider myself one of the best researchers out there. I'm more of an experiencer, mm-hmm. kind of like a Travis Walton guy. Right. And I've got a background in, and a certificate and, and everything in behavioral science. And I've been studying human behavior and consciousness and uh, behavioral mm-hmm. science for, for years. But I don't consider myself like the guys that have got the latest scoop on on these big things. You know, you, you want you want the latest scoop, go 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 hear Jamars or somebody, you know, those are the guys that, right. that do it, you know, and uh, I'm just there to just help everyone else out and sort of help things along and, you know, no, have yeah, a yeah. good time. Now, one of the things, you know, you, you talked about the 60s and obviously the Beatles and uh, in a way, I feel like it, it, the pendulum swinging back to that energy that was in the air in the in the 60s in the sense of um, you know, we're seeing a lot of, you know, racial divide in our country that echoes what we saw uh, in the civil rights movements of the of the 50s and the 60s. You know, we we're at war. You know, there's a lot of parallels that I see, including 
the one of uh, people who seem to be searching for a greater spiritual avenue, I suppose, uh, that would be uh, the equivalent of what happened in the 60s with the hippie movement. You know, they were they were tuning into, you know, these alternate realities and, you know, Timothy Leary, you know, uh, Tune in, turn on, drop out. I see the 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 openness in which you know psychedelics are discussed nowadays. Um, do you see those similarities as well? Do you think that that maybe you know things are aligning themselves for uh, some kind of a, a spiritual awakening? Well, I do. I think the pressure. First, there's two things. I think there. You know, when the pressure that the Earth is under right now with every um, sector, right? You know. The California drought, the potential $17 trillion debt with an implosion mm -hmm. of some sort in the dollar, um, the Iran uh, debacle that, that, you know, the standoff that's kind of happening there, yeah. the weather, uh, vast weather changes. I mean, in every sector, it's looking troublesome. And so people turn within mm -hmm. to, to have more stability and to connect because... I think they're feeling the mortality much more today than they they used to, and I think they feel uh, they feel the invasion of uh, the national surveillance state. You know, you're wearing your mm -hmm. device on your belt and going by a stoplight; it knows you did that. Mm -hmm. Takes your picture 200 times a week, more probably. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everybody feels a little nervous about uh, the the volatility that the, that maybe this has got a more of a finite experience. And then you have people on the radio that say, you know, well, in a year we'll run out of water, or in 2017 mm -hmm. is when it all really comes down. And finally, the com the process is complete by 2020. I mean, there's <laughs> enough stories out there to literally, wow, oh right. my goodness, it's an awful lot. So they turn inward. And there is a spiritual renaissance because the, the Internet offers so much now. And it was sort of like yeah. what was wonderful about the 60s was was the the explosion of the whole flower power movement. Mm -hmm. The Beatles going to see Maharishi right. coming back with cosmic consciousness, um, meditation, mudras, mantras, mm -hmm. metaphysics, mysticism, all of a sudden – this whole birth culture of what we had experimenting with the mind and everything mm -hmm. and all that stuff was exploding. And that exploded in today. And today, what you call the New Age movement, that's really the beginning of it right there. Mm -hmm. And and we've lived to see all this sort of blossom. So now you can have a, well, you know, your spirituality can be a little bit like the ice cream store. You know, I'll have a little pistachios. I'll have a little bit of chocolate. I like a little bit of the strawberry. You know, you can have a, you right, can have a little right. bit of, well, I'm kind of a Hindu, Buddhist, practicing Christian. <laughs> I'm also in the science, metaphysics, mysticism, yeah. chakra clearing. And, and by the way, I go to, you know, Center for Spiritual Living on Sunday. And then I like to go over to this temple with this Buddhist guy on Wednesday. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> well, you can have it all now. I mean, remember yeah. in the old days in the South, they would be like, I remember there was, God, my dad, my mom used to take me to these people in church you know, on Sunday when in the early, early days I was a little boy. And mm -hmm. there'd be a guy up at the pulpit that would hit the, the podium really hard and say, learn or burn. Wow. The choice. Like, wow. Pretty straight to the point. Wow. Straightforward. Wow. Right? <laughs> 
I think, I think, yeah, I think Jesus, I think that was a, a direct quote from Jesus, right? <laughs> I think Jesus said that somewhere along, along his, uh, his time here. Uh, it, it's so crazy. I mean, it's, it's sad. You know, I, uh, personally, I, I find, you know, the, the Christ was, was, a, a, a very, to me, it's still a, a fascinating figure because of everything he did and everything he said. But it, it's really sad when it is used as a weapon almost, uh, as opposed to being some philosophical truth to, to help people. It's really sad when, when people do this, because like you said, you know, it's all about bringing people together. Like I, I'm a bit cynical because of the, of the current state of the world. And I'll say some pretty, uh, nasty things <laughs> from time to time about, you know, the, the current state of affairs. But uh, deep down, you know, I, I agree that we have to come together because there's all these things that are just trying to tear us apart as a human race, if you will. And that's what I like about uh, a lot of the philosophical teachings that, that you are discussing with us tonight, that it's really, it's it's all about unity. Unity. Do you see it like we're all on the same boat? Uh, you know, I talk to different people about, about these kind of things, and some people say that we are just you know fragments of god or like a higher being that's on this planet experiencing itself at every level um do you feel that that is the case or you feel like we're all individuals that are just moving through this planet and on to our next journey oh it's probably both i think some inside you know don't you think that like in some ways many want to see themselves as individual on an individual path you know mm -hmm. in a sect you know with their own kind and the other ones have it wrong and then, of course, the religious spiritual teachings say that we're cut from the same cloth and that mankind is, it has all come from um, the same central source and that we are part of a kingdom, a, a part of a, um, uh, a culture and society mm -hmm. that is centuries old. Um, I think it's, you know, it, 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 I guess it gets to perception, doesn't it? You know, some are going to perceive that, you know, uh, that we're all one and the other ones will say, oh, no, I, I'm not with those guys. You know, they, whatever makes you comfortable, I suppose. My belief is is that, you know, mankind is, is, is all unified. Uh, men and women for centuries, um, you know, c coming under a, a, under a um, you know, a, a real planned effort, you know, for a, a species like this and that we mm -hmm. are all one, that our DNA strand actually does touch each other. In every way. As we prepare to go to break, why don't we talk a little bit about music? Because obviously on this show, we love music. We talk a lot about music. You, uh, excuse me, you talk about, uh, you know, one of my all-time favorite bands, The Beatles. Uh, and I love The Beatles. And, uh, you know, revolutionary in, in, in not just the musical sense. And you are a musician yourself, correct? Yeah, my whole life. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit uh, about that? Uh, because we're going to play a track here in just a few, but how, you know, did you, did you kind of pick up an instrument and found that, you know, you had, you had a knack for, for music or was it something that you picked up a little later? Uh, how, how no, were you introduced was, to music? I was transformed. <laughs> really? I, was transformed. I remember, well, you know, I, I do remember, you know, the Beatles first appearing, I was a little boy in front of a black and white TV set, as many of us were, and I was literally transformed that, that, that night yeah. in 1964. In 1966, I went to see them. I saw the last live show. No way. And yeah. That's, that's awesome. This is when John had made his famous statement in the media, we're more popular than Jesus. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And I still remember even out in front of Candlestick Park that fateful night, mm-hmm. Monday night, August 29th, 1966, there was a guy, a great big sign out that said, Lennon, you'll burn in hell for this. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> and I saw them, and it was amazing. And then later on, I actually did um, uh, meet with Paul, and I actually traveled on, on five of Paul McCartney's uh, 2005 U.S. dates while I was in the um, Adopt-A-Minefield campaign. Mm -hmm. And I did get to meet him and shake hands and exchange a couple pleasantries. And it was... It was, uh, he's a, the most charming guy you ever met. I bet. A wonderful way of putting you at ease. Changed my life, you know? That is, that is awesome. And you know, he's a great choral composer. I've heard. I've, I've heard some of his um, Requiem tripe compositions. And amazing. Amazing. Uh, those guys were just oh, like yeah. ridiculously talented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's from the Lippa Institute, I think, right? I I remember I I remember it was um put out by EMI and they had a classical section and I right. I can't remember what the title was but I I bought the yeah, CD that, it's great that's coming out of the Liverpool Institute you know mm-hmm. he has his thing there in Liverpool yeah mm-hmm. good. I yeah, know so that... I wrote a song called Till We Meet Again and, uh-huh. and that's 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 just coming out now I mean literally we don't even have any copy we have a few burned off a computer but we're getting ready to release an album called Spectacular Red. And it's a real ode to the music we grew up with, which was fun. It's supposed yeah. to be it was supposed to take you to different places. It's supposed to be light. Be magical and yeah. mm-hmm. change up and not be uh, too predictable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a big yeah. fan of uh, of you know the Beatles. I, I at times I wish I, was, I had been born in the sixties. I probably would have gotten like to listen to all my favorite <laughs> bands when they were actually around. Uh, but, you know, we're going to check out this this track. So it's called Till We Meet Again of uh, uh, upcoming release. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from the forthcoming album Spectacular Red. Gosh, thanks. First time anybody's ever heard. We're excited. It's a premiere. It's a premiere. So World premiere. <laughs> we're, so oh, we're, wow, it's true. It is. It really it is. is. Uh, <laughs> true. Nobody's heard it. This will be... This is great. Awesome. So we're going to go to that. Robert, if you'd be so kind to just hang on the line while we play uh, a couple of tunes, okay. and we're going to get back uh, into this conversation. We're going to get some questions from the chat. We're going to we got some more questions here. And we're, uh, you know, we're, we, we just uh, finished scratching the surface. We're, we're about to go deeper here in the next <laughs> hour. So don't go away. West of the Rockies is coming right up in just a few. Enjoy this song by Robert Perella called Till We Meet Again. West of the Rockies. Here we go.
guys this is Jorge Diaz of Paranormal Activity The Marked Ones and you're listening to West of the Rockies with Frank. This portion of the show is sponsored by Haunted Orange County your premier source for all things haunted in and around OC. From haunted history ghost walks to ghost group hunting expeditions at some of SoCal's most haunted destinations. Make your fall plans early and book an upcoming tour or investigation today. Visit hauntedoc.com second hour west of the rockies i'm frank thank you guys for sticking around i know it's late shout out to everybody in the chat room joining us tonight big mm-hmm. hello to everybody there everybody listening to us on iheart thank you for tuning in we appreciate it very much we got a special shout out in order and a shout out to um aj aj barrera who's apparently listening right now thank you very much psychic medium extraordinaire and i i'm not even trying to a be funny great guy a great guy <laughs> I, I mean it extraordinary guy oh uh, no he's, uh, a, he's amazing so yep. you know it means a lot when he listens to our show, yeah. um, do check out his new podcast, Breakthrough, which can be heard on Connect Pal. Check him out. Just Google him if you can't find AJ. Um, AJBarrera.com is where you can find him. Yeah. Um, he'll talk about anything from, you know, self-help um, to the metaphysical realm and, you know, celebrity interviews. Yeah. And he's quite show. enjoying the show. He uh, he he says Robert Perala is it's a great uh, guest. Yeah. No, yeah. he, he is. And, and again, we know that AJ's word counts. <laughs> yeah, AJ, yeah. And um, I know that people may have seen him on, on TV before. He's been on television shows. And the the latest one that I saw him uh, tweet about was the, the uh, I believe it was called the, the Grace Helbig show on there on the E! Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was just on the most uh, recent episode. So uh, check it out if you have him. If you haven't, he's he's amazing. Honestly, we've had him on the show in the past. Blows my <laughs> mind every time. Every it time. never it never fails. But can talk about uh, blowing minds. I know uh, we have Robert uh, Perala on the line, and in you know we're we're going deep here with with some of these topics. So Robert, before uh, uh, we continue, why don't you tell people where they can find you on social media? Well, pretty easy. RobertPerala.com. Uh, spelled P-E-R-A-L-A. It's a funny name from Finland. But uh, robertperella.com, and you can also see me at theperellareport.com. Um, those episodes that we see on there, we filmed all last year, things like Contact in the Desert and others. Mm-hmm. I was with uh, David, David Icke, you know, it, yeah. it's, uh, the People's Voice in London, and they only were on the air for about eight months, and we had turned in about six 
uh, episodes. And we mm-hmm. came in late uh, in there. And so then mm-hmm. when they folded uh, the People's Voice, um, you know, we just kind of soldiered on. We have about mm-hmm. seven episodes up, and that was really nice. But maybe the best part out of it was, well, they were good interviews, and they were very you know, informative and everything. It mm-hmm. it sort of segued and moved into what I really actually was. I was just starting the album when I got the offer from David. We've been friends mm-hmm. for many, many years, and very cool. I don't know. Not everybody thought it was a great move. I'm telling you, really. I'm trying to be honest with you. you know, some people. I got I got some mail that said Robert Perella and David. Oh, I, what a shame. And them's nice pretty cool. Guy. <laughs> you know. David's very cool, and yeah. and he's a, he's a whistleblower. You know, yeah. and so yeah. they. They said, well, what are you doing with this? I said, well, you know, I put him on, you know, mm-hmm. here in California yeah. several times in the late 90s and through the 2000s. I know David very well and mm-hmm. support his work tremendously. He's an mm-hmm. amazing, amazing researcher. Yes, and, and yes, man, no and, question. And we need whistleblowers like him. But actually, we were starting the album. I got the offer to do The People's Voice. We went out and we did that. And now, actually, we're back to the album. And that's sort of... But there is actually a book coming out. Yeah, the, the second... Um, the uh, revised edition of The Divine Architect, The uh, Art of Living and Beyond, which is a lovely okay. book, is being mm-hmm. uh, rewritten and produced for an ebook uh, a few months from now and uh, will be re-released as a revised edition. So there I would say go. those are the two two main sites to see me. And until we meet again, is at SpectacularRed.com, but the site is under development. Okay. So, uh, you know, but you can hear the song. So those are kind of like some places you can find me. Awesome. And Facebook. Awesome. Everybody's on Facebook. And right? <laughs> everybody is on Facebook. Um, making the NSA's job a lot easier. Uh, <laughs> that's right. That's what we do. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's really cool. I mean, here, you know, I know David Icke is, is, is somewhat of, uh, of a polarizing figure, uh, to say the least. But, you know, uh, here on the show, we love him. We, you know, I think that, that he. He said some some things that, that definitely, if you're not ready for it, uh, it might be uh, hard to digest. But let me ask you real quick, if you don't mind me asking, um, how um, how did you come to meet uh, David Ike? And did you guys connect at in, in the same level? I mean, he seems like the kind of guy who's like continuously evolving his theories and his research and and whatnot. Um, uh, how did you connect with with someone like David? What was the uh, the common ground? Yeah. <laughs> Well, this is a funny story. I mean, it goes all the way back to the beginning. You know, he was, this is a long time ago, 1993. He was coming out of being a broadcaster in London. He was a sports broadcaster, you know, and he was, yeah. Yeah. you know, calling the scores for Manchester United and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Liverpool and, and the soccer games, uh, the football games in England. Yeah. Very well known. He was a household name in mm-hmm. England. I didn't yeah. ever hear of him, you know, and I was hosting a thing at the time called the UFO Town Meeting. And each month we would have a very big speaker. And we had big speakers in those days. There was no Internet, really. So if you wanted to see Richard Hoagland or you wanted to see one of these other guys, mm-hmm. you had to come and see him live. And it was nothing to have 180 people, 150 people coming to a meeting because the Internet <clears throat> just wasn't there for us. Right. So one day a woman calls me up and says, I've got this guy, David Icke, and he is the preeminent researcher on UFOs. I said, wow. And from England, wow, okay, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Came to my house, mm-hmm. wasn't going to stay in a hotel. Wow. He'll tell you himself, I stayed on Robert's couch. <laughs> he did. And we went down 
And he showed up. There were a bunch of people waiting. He mm-hmm. had his, I think, his first book out then. I think there was something like Robots Rebellion or something that was out like that then. It was one of the first two books. Okay. And um, nobody knew who he was. He came out, and he spoke for two hours. And he literally floored the audience. Right. And at, so we're going to take a break. Mm-hmm. We usually only go two hours. But he says, no, we're going to take a break. And then I'm going to do the second half. I was like, wow. wow. <laughs> I said, listen, we're all from the backstage part of this little stage we were at, at this center mm-hmm. in San Jose. I said, okay, David, it's really great to hear about, you know, um, international domestic policy and, uh, you know, the corruption in the world banking institutions and the Rothschilds and the royal family and mm-hmm. and, and uh, the British banking system and all this. But I said, what about the part where, like, this is the UFO town meeting, you know, so when's the UFO part coming in? And he goes, oh, I'm sorry, mate. He says, now we're going to talk a little bit about the, you know, uh, International Monetary Fund. We're going to be talking about, wow. you know, some of the banking members in England. And I was what? And so he went out and he spoke another two hours, never mentioned UFOs, I don't think one time, but not one person left. And it was wow. midnight and people were buying every, they bought his books. They wanted to meet him. They, you know, it was a magic night. Everybody that walked out sort of patted me on his shoulder and said, Robert, I don't know where you found this guy. It was the most amazing talk. About wow. Too bad he didn't mention anything about UFOs at the <laughs> UFO town meeting, but man, you got to talk about the tale. Where'd you find this guy? Wow. And I was like, wow. And he, he just hit a grand slam, you know? And from there, you know, mm-hmm. it was sort of like, well, do you want to come back? And I said, yeah. And so then eventually we started having him again. Mm-hmm. And we had him in several times at the Bay Area UFO Expo. And we had him in, you know, some private events. And then, you know, I produced him later on with Ken Kaufman over there at uh, the Marin Center. And we sold out the entire Marin Center. And, I mean, that's where, like, the Moody Blues play. And oh, wow. Neil Young and all these nice. other big places, you know. We right. sold the whole damn thing out, you know. So he was huge, and we put him on in L.A., and and then, you know, we always remained good friends. And then one day, as soon as he put up an ad about the People's Voice, and I said, I sent him a quick email, never even thinking, okay, well, I would be a part of this. It actually hadn't even occurred to me. I just mm-hmm. I just sent him a quick email saying, David, this is really a good, this is a good thing for you, your own network, do it your way. I said, bravo, well done, just wanted to send you my thumbs up, and it was only like, 20 minutes later, I got an email back saying, do you want to be a U.S. commentator for this? And it never really occurred wow. to me. And I thought, well, how hard can it be? You know? <laughs> and I thought, well, and so it was quite hard. We wanted to film things right. We got a good film crew. I ended up building my own studio here at, at my home mm-hmm. that we could do have a commentator's desk and we could do things properly and everything. But it, it, it was tough filming, filming on location and filming in other places. It's not as easy as it looks. Yeah, and the yeah, episodes are great. They're really good. And you can see them all at the com. But, you know, David is one in a million. There's just yeah, not no, he really is. one quite like him. He really is. And like I said, we here on the show, we talk about some of the the, the information he puts out there. And it, I mean, it's always engaging and and fascinating. And I think that that's that's the that's why, uh, you know, he's still doing what he does, uh, because, you know, whether you agree with him or not, it's almost like you can't help but listen <laughs> to uh, listen to yeah. what he has to say. So that's really great. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm 
you know, it couldn't have happened to a, a better guy, Robert, to hook up with, uh, you know, David Icke and, and, and work alongside of him. Now, let me ask you something. And, and speaking of David and, and speaking of this other realm, you know, as, as I was listening to you talk and, you know, discuss things like meditation, I know from uh, talking to other people and the few times I've attempted to uh, meditate myself, it, it seems to be a way for us to enter these other realms what do you think again with the as i mentioned earlier there seems to be an uprise in the interest of psychedelics nowadays and you know you you hear uh, people talking about you know going out to south america and um drink ayahuasca uh, you know there's there's uh, the experiences people have when using dmt that sound to me very similar to some of the things that, that you uh discuss and and some of the other things that i've heard how do you feel about this? Are psychedelics a, a, a way to to experience this other plane? And if so, is it cheating to do that? What a tough question. Uh, as far as the cheating part, I don't know because, you know, the, the mind for people who have a very pleasant trip and that it becomes an eye-opening experience, I... I think maybe they just were fortunate and, and it wasn't really cheating. I think that they see something that um, is witnessing, uh, you know, portions of, of the next plane of existence. You know, we're, we're quite made to be very centered and, and, and recreational drugs are sort of an interesting thing to go and dabble through for, for a bit. I think, you know, once it becomes, you know, more than that, I think that there's an issue there. Mm -hmm. The psychedelics, I think, like ayahuasca and, you know, peyote, mescaline, mm -hmm. these things, um, you know, the shamans have used them for years. I think in, in certain circumstances when it is, it is a, a, a proper dosage and it's guided correctly, mm -hmm. Um, I think it could be extraordinarily pleasant and very, uh, you know, very revealing, mm. very revealing. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is sort of a shortcut. I, you know, in meditation, people will claim after meditating long enough, they do go to the other planes. But, yeah, these are a shortcut to sort of witnessing the other plane. But um, I don't know. You'd have to, you know, read some of the, you know, the more prolific mm -hmm writings the castanetas and yeah, yeah. That, that write this kind of stuff uh that will tell you more more about it i i thought i took a few trips when i was younger mm -hmm. i never took lsd but i did take remember taking mushrooms for the first time and mm -hmm. and i remember seeing the significance in a blade of grass and looking at a blade of grass in a way i've never looked at its magnificence right and i remember um, feeling the space and um, atmosphere around me in a gorgeous way. There was, a, yes, there was very definitely a state of nirvana that could not be explained. I thought it was a really good thing. I, you know, um, it was always so funny when they asked George Harrison before he passed away. Mm -hmm. They asked him, you know, well, um, you took it. Did you feel it was a good experience? He said, oh, yes, it was a very good experience. Mm -hmm. He said, the, the funny thing about... Um, taking a psychedelic is you really only have to take it once yeah. to really open up your your mind and and really witness the other planes and everything and the interviewer said well did you take it more than once and he said oh yeah we took it hundreds of times <laughs> 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 you know and after a while we all kind of grow out of it a bit right so it's a it, it's a, it's definitely um 
Yeah, that's another plane, isn't it? I grew up in the middle of it, too, when it was all exploding. You know? Right. Imagine being in 67, turning 12 years old. Oh, boy. People taking this. I was like, you're kidding. And we were, I was always feeling like I would never really quite want to take it because I was worried I would never get back home. Again. Right, right. You know I mean, you're like, it might be a one-way trip. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Been in those shoes uh, myself a uh, uh... A few times there, <laughs> but yeah, that's um, an okay thing. let me ask you about this, uh, and it kind of goes with one of the questions that we have in here in the chat room. Considering that there are other planes and there are other entities in in these planes, my question is, and I know that that there might not be a definite answer, but with how many or what kind of entities are we dealing in these other planes? Are there angelic, extraterrestrial? our ancestors, our future selves, our past selves. What are the entities um, when somebody crosses over? Well, there's a myriad of different sources. Um, you know, ultimately, um, um, I think most people are seem to be from what we've seen through so many books. And you know, I've been with a lot of great authors that, that have, have studied this aspect and, and people at the INS Institute and things like that. You know, ultimately, it seems that uh, our, our loved ones, um, you know, that, we, that we've known in this lifetime are standing there as we step out of the body, mm-hmm. um, you know, for the first time. It, it's very often the loved ones that were just closest to us in this experience that are actually standing there. At some point, there is um, evidently a, an ushering to a, a plane of existence for the soul, the spirit, uh, to take a, a review of what it understood or what it, where where it uh, stood up in the in the scheme of things. You know, the sort of um, you know to understand the karmic grid line, to understand you know what it gave, what it took away, what mm-hmm. it understood, what it what it was misunderstanding, everything. This is where the angelics the the seraphim, the cherubim, mm-hmm. the Naya Lahim, these are the angelics that uh, take the spirit, uh, you or I or anybody, you know, to this life review where where we see how well we understood creation because the, the great mystery is being just here mm-hmm. and where, you know, the social conditioning is so strong and it's so uh, deceiving and you're, you're kind of turned loose here. You know, turned loose meaning that you, know, you can run around and no one knows exactly what you're thinking. You can perform things behind uh, closed doors and nobody knows what's going on there either. So you, you think you're operating in a private, autonomous mode when uh, there's actually a committee around you of different, um, you know, different guides and, and your committee uh, that are actually sharing the space with you. Actually, not all your thoughts are even your own. You're actually oh, wow. sharing the space. This is where you kind of go, gee, you, know, you get this trepidation. You almost like, you, you know how you say that voice like, gee, it's just like almost this thing in me saying, don't do it. And the other, the ego says, no, 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 go ahead, go ahead. It'll be all right. And then the other side, the guides are trying to kind of come in and you hear it in your own mind's voice. Mm-hmm. That's the key is, is that sometimes you're actually hearing what they're saying to you, but you're hearing it and filtering it through your own mind's voice. So you still think it's you. Mm-hmm. So you have to make a decision, you know, and right. then you make a decision. Okay, well, you know, I'm going to go ahead and do this. So a lot of the heinous crimes that are in the world today you know, 
people are are really thinking this is it there's no witnesses i can i can get ahead this way i'm going to take this it's very it's good wealth it's big wealth and then i'll be able to buy what i want to buy or get what i want to buy mm-hmm. some material thing you know and then you know maybe it works out for a little while and, and then it doesn't but one thing i have learned and Really, my best teachers of all, and believe me, I've been surrounded by many because I need many, <laughs> uh, were my hospice, or my hospice patients. You know, uh, mm, wow. Years ago, I got involved very much with Danny and Brinkley, and he taught me the work, and I put in about 300 hours with uh, hospice patients, and wow. I would listen to them carefully by the bedside. So imagine this. Mm-hmm. You've just been given six weeks to lift off. Destination? Right unknown mm-hmm. you'd be thinking really hard about this and i've met many people that looked at me and said i've got maybe six weeks left the doctor says i have about six weeks left oh my. and i don't know where i'm going mm-hmm. and it's all con- coming to a conclusion there are some that go to this place that we all do to i mean not everybody some die very suddenly like you know the 20 year old you know whatever or the 27 club or whatever but yeah, yeah. You, you know uh, <laughs> these people that live to a ripe old age and they start thinking wow what is it and you start doing the life review which they didn't count on before you leave mm-hmm. and they start thinking hard while they're in the bed thinking wow i've only got two months left and I've got to think about this and this and this. And so if you've lived a really fruitful life and you've done a lot of homework, mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who say, you know what, I'm ready. Uh, you know, like they always say, die well. And there are others that go, I have no idea what's going to happen to me. And they start thinking about the things they can't, are running out that, that have run out of time. They can't correct. They can't find those people. Those people maybe don't even live here anymore. You know, and they Mm -hmm. want to make an atonement for them. So I always tell my audiences, live well, live beautifully. You know, I was with Mm -hmm. Bruce Lipton yesterday. You know, Bruce Lipton, The Honeymoon Effect, and all of his books. Yeah, Bruce is, I mean, like huge, you know, Uh gigantic uh author. There's actually four of us that live right only a few miles from each other. Here in Northern California, there's Foster Gamble and Kimberly from the Thrive movie. There's there's Bruce Bruce Lipton, and then Mm -hmm. there's Dan Sheehan. So there's actually four pretty pretty well known authors in our in our community that that are that we're all close to each other, but Bruce was at the um, George Norrie thing yesterday at KSCO and I spent some time with him, and you know there are some people that just when they come up to you, he came up to me and he said Robert Perala come here, <laughs> and he gave me a big hug, kissed me on the cheek, and he just hugged me and he said now I'm home, wow. and I was just absolutely moved because this man radiates so much love around his body and the reason he's got the rewards of having a joyous fruitful exciting and interesting life is that he's really applied himself he's done the homework he's done the work he's mastered some of these properties of love he understands relationship mastery he's done a tremendous amount of work a guy like him is going to go, I'm ready, bring it on at the end. And then there's others that are going to go, oh, oh I have a problem. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, you want to live. I've, I'm really a personal results coach. I try to tell people, live fruitfully. Do your homework each day. You know, practice mm-hmm. the properties of love. Compa- you know, I always say, look, become, if you were going to be a master at anything, be, be, try to be, embrace the mastery of the virtues. 
you know, tolerance, compassion, selflessness, forgiveness, unconditional love, non-judgment, um, and, and all the other virtues, kindness, compassion. Right. If you really get those, you're going to, you're really going to just reap the benefits tenfold because, man, my life has gone by fast and here we are, you know, here we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, it's, it's true. It's oh my true. God. It's very you know, true. I'm 59. If I thought my life was going to go by this fast, you guys, I think I'd want my money back. Tell me about it. <laughs> I'm <clears throat> years old. Um, so you were saying, you know, earlier on, and I know definitely you've mentioned it in the past, you know, Earth is going through, to say the least, a very negative phase at the moment. And as you said before, everyone you know, is involved in this collapse of our civilization. You know, you've got climate change, bad leaders, humans becoming ever more corrupt. And how do you see the outcome of this? And um, could you explain a bit about the interaction of spirits and how they may step in and help us? Because I know you talk about that a lot. And the second thing is, um, could you tell us consequently a bit more about the Pleiadians and what you know about them? Well, the first part is, is what I know about our own spiritual guides are, is, is that they're really, they really are kind of an extension of us. Um, okay. We've forgotten that part. These are people like you and I, in some ways, who have benefited from greater time and greater knowledge. And and we they they've also taken incarnations into the material plane and then step back and live in the interlife for Lord knows how long. Some okay. of them. Um, have could you clarify? I'm really really yeah. sorry. <laughs> could you clarify yeah. the definition of interlife? Yeah, the interlife is is a term we use for we the other side. We live in the non-material plane okay. most of the time. And that takes various degrees of, of mostly a semi-etheric body and who you really are. You know, a lot of times in, in, um, in different studies, they say that when you return to the other side, you return to your idyllic state. So you would look, you know, right in your idyllic state might be more like when you were 22, yeah. 25. You don't have all the decay. And, and you actually for the most part, look like you look. Your your looks are largely also inherent, uh, a telltale sign of kind of where you're at on a number of things. That's not completely true, but if you trace in the origin of the soul and past life research, I mean, there's a wonderful guy who wrote Return of the Revolutionaries, Dr. Walter Simku, who did a picture format of of who these famous people were that lived in revolutionary times and how they've mm -hmm. come back in. To live okay. today uh, in various forms of law and governing body. Uh -huh. And it's remarkable how the face really doesn't change that much. Mm -hmm. You know, you ever seen those websites where they go, do you know that Princess Diana was this person, you know, 200 years ago? And yeah, you see something yeah. like that and you go, that is uncanny, mm -hmm. incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They don't yeah. look that different, you know? Well, you get the this life is where we are. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to sure. say, you, you get those weird articles and, you know, internet memes which show a person that died on a certain day and a person that was born on that very same day in the same year 
and they look incredible. The one, one that comes to yeah. mind is is uh, Enzo Ferrari. Apparently, when he died, that's the the that on that day, um, the the German player and Ozil. Uh, uh, What's his name? I, I he can't plays recall. For the, uh, I know there's a few memes around. It's like with an O and a Z, and they look uh, yeah, uncannily like. Yeah, yeah. Ozil, Ozil. I don't know. That that's my but no, yeah, contribution you, you to that. These, you see these occurrences. <laughs> no, it is. Yeah. It's it's a little creepy. It is uncanny. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Now let me go to a quick question uh, from the chat, uh, Robert. And if you could answer this for for one of uh, our listeners, uh, because you know we we talk about spirit guides uh, when we talk about these kind of things, and and his question, which is a very valid question, uh, and it's something that I've asked myself a few times, is um, are there spiritual guides? that do not have the best motives when guiding us? Yeah, I don't know if uh, always they were uh, necessarily a guide for us or an entity that was a spiritual attachment. There used to be a guy who used to work out of my house, and he used to teach me about resident entities. And I said, what is that? And he says, this is where an entity that is sort of a dark aspect has found its way into the spirit of a of a person here the the spirit the the light body around has a like a fissure in it and they embed themselves almost like a polyp in the field mm -hmm. and they actually embed themselves in mm. and and then that those kind of thoughts we begin to see a change in the person's thought because they actually have a a form of possession this can be brought on Um, certainly by like heavy cocaine use because cocaine is really one that reaches into the so that's what happened to me <laughs> no, I'm kidding, <laughs> I'm, kidding. <laughs> I am kidding or alcoholism or whatever mm -hmm. or trauma right. or right. or you know people who are addicted to gore you know really oh, wow. dark dark stuff and actually it gives them an adrenaline rush wow sometimes mm -hmm. and i'm not saying for everybody because i don't want to get a ton of emails saying well i watch all these movies and that you know i'm not possessed because you know there's no way for me to say it but right but mm -hmm. through through trauma abuse through through interest in dark matter mm -hmm. and dark you know endeavors Um, it does open up the field, and then uh, some of these entities embed themselves in and, and everything else. Sometimes it comes from an implant in the field. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it comes from a demonic that actually mm. has found its way through a sexual union wow. of some kind. comes in a myriad of different forms, and then we see the person beginning to, to really um, get some very dark thoughts. I, I, I often wonder, in the suicide bombers, Mm -hmm. And in the extremists, you know, as you know, in in the in the Middle East and yeah. everything, you know, that the socio conditioning is the story is told to the four year old that tells it to the five year old that tells mm -hmm. it to the six year old that by the time they're fourteen and fifteen years old, they want to be a martyr because the socio conditioning has only been that from the beginning sort of a, 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 a dark story. And then they get this dark energy and they're willing to do anything in the name of what they call their God. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's mm. just quite, uh, quite succinct, very dark. Where, where do we get the Hitlers? Where do we get the Stalins and the Mansons? Mm -hmm. Right, you know, right. There, there, there's a lot of possession there. 
Wow. Um, anyway, really sorry. sorry. Yeah, that was my fault. I <laughs> for interrupting <laughs> you earlier on. But um, back to, you know, divine intervention. I'm not sure what quite to call it and um, how the Pleiadians play into this. Well, I really think this. The Pleiadians are like you and I who have benefited from greater time and greater knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're part of mankind. They're listed actually in in various for uh, in various places in the Bible. Yeah. And um, at one point, they must have been here before recorded history. And sort, of, I think that they were really responsible for seeding the planet with a human kind. Mm-hmm. Um, people have visited the Pleiades. Um, they've been taken out of their bodies and they've been taken to the Pleiades. I think there's a, the leading authority on this, I kind of tend to lean towards a woman who was really popular a few years ago and still, I still stand by her teachings, um, is Barbara Marciniak. Um, she wrote a book Mm -hmm. called Path of Empowerment. And when I read Path of Empowerment, and it, it was a treatise on the human experience um, where they spoke through her and wrote a treatise on how they view the human experience, how we behave, how we exchange thoughts and ideas, how we believe, what we believe, and why we believe that. And it was a, a treatise on behavioral science from a higher point of consciousness that mm-hmm. was staggering when I read it. I thought, whatever it is that's speaking through her has a fantastic intelligence and a very eloquent grasp in its language and wording of how it views uh, humanity and the way we perceive creation and the way we perceive each other and how we interact with one another. It was as though an extraterrestrial had written a really nifty university book on behavioral science that mm-hmm. was just couldn't put it down. And I really applaud her for writing such a powerful book like that. You know, she she wrote the other three or four before that, you know, Bringers of the Dawn, Earth, mm-hmm. um, you know, just fantastic author really now we'll, um, know, she's quite quite private really i'll have to check her books out uh robert quick question because uh, uh we were watching one of your uh lectures and um in it you said that et's they're around us all the time and they walk around us all the time how do they do this are they disguised as humans did they look human are they um, invisible? I mean, do they move maybe in, in a different light spectrum, as I've heard other people say? Uh, what did you mean by ETs walk around us all the time? They do. Um, <clears throat> you'll notice how we haven't had the absolute, definitive, undeniable break from you know the norm. In other mm-hmm. words, uh, an attempted landing in a major metropolitan area, you know, Yankee Stadium, the mm-hmm. White House lawn, yeah. the Paris near the Eiffel Tower. I think they understand, since they're coming from a vast distance, the incredible distance it would take to even get here, mm-hmm. they understand us very deeply in the sense that they know that to try to bring us forward with an introduction too quickly mm-hmm. would collapse the civilization. Because even though it sounds funny, mm-hmm. if an introduction were made too quickly, 
Mm-hmm. Everybody can't grasp and step up to the plate consciously and accept that there would be tremendous fear. Mm-hmm. And that fear causes people to, to, of course, withdraw their funds out of the market. And that, and that causes a even though it comes back to, I know it sounds funny, it comes back to the money question again, mm-hmm. but that's our medium of exchange. And yeah. if that were to be collapsed, then all of a sudden there's chaos everywhere. And then they don't really, can't really make it work. They can't, they can't make it work. You know, in other words, they, they would, they would cause an implosion on the earth. So they stay almost, almost always in the invisible planes and they, they walk, you know, out of the physical realm. Now, that's not to say that some of them don't take a body. They do. I've met them. Wow. Uh, met a man in Santa Cruz in mm-hmm. 1992, you know, incredibly drew me. Uh, I asked him to do a reading on my dad, and he claimed he was from another world, and he was a walk-in occupying this body. Wow. Very emaciated, very tall, long fingers. Asked him to do a reading. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my dad, my dad was dying and everything. And he said, can you do a reading? He said, said, you know, I I can do that for you. I said, okay, well, can you, can we do one today? He said, okay. And he just sat down and we sat and faced each other and closed his eyes. There was a pen and a paper near his hand. And um, I waited for the reading. Mm -hmm. And there was, I I kept waiting. All right. Anytime now, I'm I'm ready. Anytime you want to start, you know, mm-hmm. I just waited for him to say something. He's mm-hmm. not saying anything. You're like 25 minutes goes by and he's oh, still wow. in this meditation. Well, I'm not going to disturb that. Yeah, I don't know yeah. what's coming through. So I'm just going to sit through it. See, all of a sudden his hand grabs the pen and he starts drawing across this paper. And at the end, um, he opens his eyes, hands me the piece of paper. And he says, here's uh, your reading. And it was three lines that were going across from one of the top, one in the middle, and it looked like, a, you know how you go, kind of like an etch-a-sketch, you know, like up and down, up and down, mm-hmm. up and down. Okay, there's one across the top, one across the middle, one across the bottom. And he said, here it is. I said, that's it? He said, that's it. I said, that's it? He said, that's it. I said, well, what is it? He says, well, this is his heart. The first one, this is his lungs, and this is his kidneys. You asked me to do a reading on him, mm-hmm. you know, and I said, oh. He says, take that to a nurse and see, you know, what she said. So I took it to a head nurse at this hospital in Mountain View. Mm-hmm. She looked at it, and she said, well, it's a perfect electrocardiogram. Wow. So this is his heart. It shows palpitations in his heart. This is his kidneys. It shows his kidneys are quite toxic. And it shows his lungs have palpitations in him. Evidently, this is a man with lung a lung disease of some kind. Mm-hmm. And he said, are you trying to tell me that this guy did this by hand? And I said, yeah, he did it with his eyes closed. Wow. And she was like, where'd you find this? I don't see anybody doing electrocardiograms by hand. Wow. And so that was really a testimony that there were guys running around like this. I've seen them rarely, just from time to time. And, um, yeah, it's quite remarkable. So they do take human form. They mm-hmm. do, they do, there are walk-ins and there are people that sort of straddle. Some don't do very well here and end up in institutions because they just simply can't integrate. Oh, wow. And they have this credible knowledge on one end and this absolutely 
inability mm-hmm. to cope on the other end here, you know? Yeah. No, so, it, it reminds me of that movie, uh, Cape Packs, which was actually a remake uh, uh, of an Argentinian movie called Man uh, Facing Southeast, which I uh, encourage people to watch because actually that is the plot. It's this guy that has this amazing knowledge. Have, nobody can find family. He just kind of appeared uh, out of nowhere, and he ends up in an asylum. Um, you know, but he throughout the whole film, he claims to be from this other um, planet. <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, and is sharing all this information and knowledge with the people around the, uh, him and the in the asylum. So that sounds really interesting. Um, Robert, so do you do you think or believe that? possibly most or at least many of those who are um, sectioned as crazy, you know, mentally deranged, do you think that actually they may be in possession of knowledge beyond ours? Or do you think that that's just a, a minor occurrence? No, I think it's probably all of the above. Mm-hmm. You ever seen the movie the, A Beautiful Mind? Yeah. Crow? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, there's cases like that out there where the doctor looks and says, look, you're not performing well out here. And these fears and these phobias, your inability to hold a job or communicate with people is very, very concerning. And that's why mm-hmm. you're here. You're, you're in this institution. Yeah. Now, tell us where the math came from. How did you figure <laughs> it out? Why do you know this? And he yeah. goes, I don't know why I know this. And I've seen this, we've seen this too, people solving incredible equations or being able to give readings uh, about conditions that exist inside someone else's body mm-hmm. but also can't function out here in just a normal fashion so all this is very you know very it's a very subjective science you know how you know where all this is beginning and ending like where is the origin of thought actually happening it's happening in the spirit which is connected to the divine intelligence but when the body becomes polluted it's kind of like a battery or like a flashlight where the batteries are going low you know mm-hmm. there's a flicker there's there's an inability to hold sustain the energy it's a metaphor you know i just yeah. saw that it was a f- absolute full moon out tonight just as round as can be. So. Wow. wow. That's great. And we're, out, and we're on the exit of Beltane. Beltane was on, um, you know, the, um, um, you know, Beltane um, I was on, Monday, or what was it, on Friday? Yeah, 1st oh. of May. What's it? Okay. Uh, celebration? Did you go out and celebrate? <laughs> and Mayday, well, Mayday, as they say in America, right? Uh, yeah, Mayday. I was down in downtown, like I said, I was in downtown Santa Cruz playing a show for, the Romero Institute, which is oh, wow. uh, working on working on this NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, you know, and mm-hmm. I've been I've been based there at the Romero Institute with Daniel Sheehan, the famed attorney who handled the Pentagon Papers and the Iran Contra and all that. He's trying to create the Constitution was amended. Short story: Constitution was amended just before midnight, 2011. Mm-hmm. A lot of the important factors of you know if you cannot afford attorney an attorney will be you know afforded to you you cannot be held without due process so you know these kind of things you cannot be detained indefinitely this is the original constitution all that's been wiped out and now you can be detained indefinitely mm-hmm. now you can have due pro you know you can be yeah. um yeah. you know you can be um you know held without uh, an attorney and everything else so what does this mean to us well 
I think they're they're increasing the surveillance state, and um, Daniel is going doing lectures all the all over. In fact, last weekend even uh, and this weekend even, and it's called climate change and the national surveillance state. And what they're anticipating is is that they can see that sectors of the world are having tremendous upheaval from the climate change, in addition to all the other problems we're having, and so they're tightening this noose of the surveillance state. And what he wants to do is create Santa Cruz County as a constitution protection zone to try to get 10,000 signatures to show that we could try to reverse this saying and to show that one county can do it. And if one county can do it, then many can do it. And so Mm -hmm. I was playing a show, playing music, so it would draw people to the petitioners who could get a signature and continue our process. And that's when George Norrie walked up to me and I tried to explain it to him. He said, what are you doing out here? (laughs) And I I said, that was my question to you, George, you know, and then, uh, explained to him what I was doing. And, uh, and then uh, that's how that happened. But um, Beltane was very interesting. It's very, you know, it's, it's more of the Druid and uh, what do you call it? It's a bit of Wicca. Yeah. Yeah. Wiccan, pagan, druid, yeah. yeah. The pagans. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Lots of that yeah. in England. So you know more about it, don't you, Genevieve? <laughs> exactly, Genevieve, tell, yes. Tell, tell us what, what Beltane is. I mean, I you probably know more about it than I do. You know? <laughs> she goes out to Stonehenge all, and uh, all dances I remember, around it. All I remember is my very hippie punk rock friends. Every pagan festival, they'll go out into the forest and <laughs> sit around a fire and drink. <laughs> That's about it. That's about it. Oh, if, if that's what it's about, sign me up. Um, Robert, <laughs> let me ask you this. Uh, talk about extraterrestrials real quick. And we got another question that we're going to get to here in just a second. But talk about ETs. Uh, you mentioned your encounter with this this uh, gentleman that, that drew this. As I was saying, my, my father, you know, and since I was a kid, he's the, he's the one that got me into this, you know, this whole like alien UFOs growing up and a few years ago, he was telling me the story that, you know, he was out on his lunch break and uh, he was walking down, you know, the street here in uh, downtown L.A. And, you know, the the street was surprisingly uh, desolate, even though it was lunchtime. And he saw uh, look like a woman uh, walking towards him, you know, some some distance away on, on the same street. He says that he just uh, he, something inside of him made him think, oh, wow, she looks like she's not from here, as in she's not from this planet. And he describes her as this uh, tall, thin, elderly looking lady, but with a very uh, she looked like she was very young physically, you know, and she was wearing this kind of denim shirt with uh, blue jeans. And she had this, uh, you know, very white hair, as he describes it. And he says that as he was thinking that the woman looked up at him and made eye contact and she walked a bit more and then made a right turn into a building and he says that when he walked by she was gone and he just thought it was a little strange you know and he said that he felt almost like she could read his mind and i know it sounds totally crazy but you know he's my dad and i <laughs> i believe him i mean is there a way to know when you come in contact with somebody that could very well be from another planet or another realm reality well, they usually vibe quite differently. I mean, they're rare. Mm-hmm. You know, they're rare. There's people that like to claim it. I think, you know, it's uh, and, there, and there's roots in it. We all have roots in it. Mm-hmm. All of us are coming from some different aspects. Some of us are Pleiadian. Some are more Arcturian. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be, you say, well, 
I'm half German and I'm half French and I'm part Italian. You know, now you might say, well, I'm part Pleiadian, part Arcturian, and I have a little bit of, you know, mm-hmm. Cirrus in me or something like that. Is a, there's we're, we're coming from all over. That's why mm-hmm. we all are, and we come into the human kingdom. Um, there's there's extraterrestrials that that have that um, walk into a human body and aren't sure even for them how they got here. They might not even see themselves quite as an extraterrestrial. They may, you know, some of them stand between the lines a little bit. Others know fully well who they are. I was in Utah, strange place, a lot of Mormons, lovely people, years Mm -hmm. ago at an airport. A man sits down next to me, and I was just sort of being thoughtful, whatever, you know. I was just sort of having a little salad or something, and he sits down next to me. And uh, he said, hi, how are you? And I said, oh, yeah, very good. Where are you going? Oh, I'm going to so-and-so. Just a typical chat and everything like that. And um, so I, uh, I just sort of looked to my left and everything, and then I just looked, and I started to say something else to him, and there was no one there. Wow. And I looked wow. around. And he couldn't have just walked up and gone away. Right. And that's when I realized, and then I started hearing other stories about people that said there was a man standing in the corner and the man mm-hmm. vaporized. And I started learning they're, mm-hmm. they're appearing. So the movies pick up on this. You know, my son yeah. works at Lionsgate Film in London, right? You know, they make movies like this in, in Hollywood where, mm-hmm. you know, I think if you look at the metaphors in Hollywood, they're sort of just preparing you to get used to the idea. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. we that comes from somewhere. These ideas of people with these um, sort of super abilities, you know, and that they can, you know, appear and disappear at will. I think those movies are just generally getting you used to the idea because we're gonna we're seeing this actually more and more. And where they're coming right. from, wonders knows, you know. But there is a real respect of our of our space. Um, I understand. And I, did you guys hear that there's getting to be this big revealment? I guess it's on the fifth of May about uh, some unseen mm. Roswell. Yes, you know yes, yes, this? yes. Some slides that were What's found. What's going on with that? Yeah, um, you know, honestly, I think uh, they're they're definitely building up the suspense because they discover some slides and in a basement or in an attic and they seem to coincide with the time period and yeah well i'm, I'm awaiting the announcement yeah. to see if if they're really you know if they're really the real deal i mean it would be great i've got a question to squeeze in just in case we miss it before the end um jen barrera has written on facebook um whether we can ask you if you believe in human existence and whether it has any connection or interconnection, should I say, with the Dogon tribe and whales? So this is a very specific question. So it's a, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, a Dogon tribe. I believe that's um, a tribe from Mali. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, and whales. Uh, what What is the connection? What's your theory on this? I don't know an awful lot about it, but the, the whales, the dolphins are the guardian species. Okay. They're the cetaceans. And they are largely communicating with what we understand as Cirrus. They're a completely different entity than what okay. we're used to and everything. And they communicate from the deep oceans and supposedly actually communicate with what's happening on the Earth uh, in the deep, um, you know, in the deep Atlantic and then in the other oceans, the Indian Ocean and everything. Mm-hmm. And then they're part of the cetaceans, the guardian species. The Syrians supposedly fly over our atmosphere and they receive information from the whales. 
I know that sounds bizarre, but this is what I was I learned this way back in 1992. <clears throat> I don't know if you guys know. There's some other people who will do some of this work, and you're not sure for sure. Sheldon Knightley was a good friend of mine for many years, and mm -hmm. he would tell me about this. And <clears throat> at one point, one of uh, <clears throat> one of these beings that follows him around um, appeared in my house. Mm -hmm. I mean, just literally appeared. I, you know, I mean, and mm -hmm. and he, at the, it was at the same time he was teaching me about the cetaceans and the guardian species, and um, so I sort of got used to it. You know, okay. like I don't know how I would tell you how this happened. It's almost too much. <laughs> you talk a lot about the Palladians. Um, you know, I've heard that they are kind of like the good guys, and the Greys from. Uh, Seta reticuli are not so nice. Do you see that? Is that, you know, from your experience and from what you've learned, I mean, is that the case? Is there like a bad alien race like the Grace and a good race like the, like these Pleiadians? Well, <clears throat> I think the Grays, you know, are, are an entirely different kind of entity like we are. They don't have an emotional body like we are, but they've obviously had the extraordinary mm -hmm. intelligence to master a craft that would transcend the incredible distance it would even take to get here. They also understand a certain amount about spiritual principles because they don't interfere in any real large way. There's the odd abduction here and, and there. Travis Walton is the real thing. There are many others that are the real thing. I saw one appear on October 14th, 1989 in my house. Appeared right there kind of looking at me from just the door being slightly open where I could only see half its face and half its body and it was looking. I remember running. It pointed something at me. I ran full speed towards it to take this thing out of its hands. It was terrifying looking at me. And I ran full speed in the door, into the door and I knocked myself wow. out. Um, they, they do appear and disappear at will, and they have the ability to get here. And they're not so bad. They just don't have – they're like a bug, and mm -hmm. they don't have an emotional body like we do, so they don't have this, quite the sympathy and everything mm -hmm. else. But they yeah. have a stake in what's going on here, and they're taking DNA samples. And the Pleiadians are like you and I, but they're just benefiting from, from greater time. They're, they're very much a human-like uh, species and some of them can be just extraordinarily beautiful, loving, loving beings. They're they're great. They're pilots flying through our atmosphere from this aspect uh, daily. Right. Um. The, this is a really broad metaphor, metaphor, <laughs> metaphysical question, so you don't have to answer it completely. But you know, on that note, do you do you believe there could really be genuine intelligence without emotional capacity? It is some sort of emotion or empathy or, you know, the ability to feel something else, do you somehow think that that's not necessary for deep intelligence? I think it is. Actually, in, in, in their sense, perhaps in their world, they master uh, these these equations mm -hmm. and they just don't yeah. have the capacity to love the way we do. It's rational. But they also yeah. understand enough as to not interfere. Okay. I think they're an entirely different creature than than what we're used to. I, I don't see them as a tremendous threat, okay. but I don't think they're a good idea either. And I think some people have had bad experiences with them, and I do think some of them actually have a way of kind of embedding themselves in people's fields. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I don't think I don't think the Greys are a good idea. I don't think they're the worst thing that's happened to us. You know, okay. 
Okay. Yeah. And that's just my opinion. What do yeah. I know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you know more than we do. Robert, you're going to be at Genevieve. Robert, you guys are pretty sharp. <laughs> Robert, you're gonna be at uh Contact in the Desert uh May uh 29th through the thirty first. You're gonna be the MC. And honestly, they couldn't have picked a better guy. Uh you're gonna be doing oh, a lecture okay. I see here, uh extraterrestrials and the divine intelligence. And uh, you're also going to be uh, hosting the, the um, Meet Your Speakers Party uh, on Friday night, 9.30 to 11 p.m. Uh, in the sanctuary. Yeah. So you're, you're, you definitely got your hands full at this Contact in the Desert, <laughs> it looks yeah, like. You've been very kind to me. And, uh, so have you guys. Oh, well, no, you... you <laughs> You've been kind to You us. have been kind, <laughs> entertaining all our crazy questions and conversation. The Divine Blueprint Roadmap for the New Millennium and The Divine Architect, The Art of Living and Beyond. Why don't you remind people one more time where they can get your books? Yeah, uh, we only have Divine Blueprint for sale, but if you want to get a wonderful copy of Divine Blueprint, you can just order it right there at at uh, robertperella.com <clears throat> you know we i don't know what the website says right now but i think if you send us twelve dollars we'll pay for the shipping and handling and we'll just Very send you cool. a copy you know the book's a few years old but we send it within three days and everything we'll just send it right out to you just send me an email to robert at robertperella.com or just order it you know mm -hmm. on online sometimes mm -hmm. it's faster if you just send me an email and I'll just put your address on there and, and, uh, or go to PayPal, you know, you can put it in there or whatever. And just, we'll, we'll rush you out a copy. It's really is still a lovely, lovely book. Very cool. Very cool. Robert, it's been a blast. I, I want to thank you so much for, for sharing your knowledge, sharing your information, mm -hmm. sharing your music. You know, it, it, I couldn't have asked for anything more. It, it's been an amazing time. Thank you. Oh, Frank, Genevieve, you guys are great. Thank you so much. Like I always say to everybody, let's put our capes back on, everybody. We've got a world to save. <laughs> That's right. I love it. Thanks so much, Robert. Have a great night. Thank okay, you guys. So much. Yeah, many blessings. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. You bet. Bye. Bye. That was Robert Perala. Don't forget, check out the website, Robert Perala. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-P-E-R-A-L-A. -E I think you just com. need to spell Perala, not Robert. Nonetheless, <laughs> just to make sure, because nowadays, you know, there's a lot of funny spellings going around. Yeah. Like yeah. Z-Y-W-K. Like Anyways, <laughs> uh, but I want to thank everybody that, that stuck around. If you miss any part of the show, you will be able to find it on our website soon. I know people are still waiting for the James Picard interview to be posted. Yep. That will be That's posted ready ASAP. To post. yep. And should we give the, uh, the, uh, the, the announcements of the new way they can get the show? The new old way? <laughs> well, we are starting to make our shows available on pod... Like, They've well, been iTunes. On podcasts, but... No, as a podcast. Well, officially, it's, a, it's, it's a... called a podcast because of iTunes. Think yeah. about it. But then it became like... A word, yeah, like it a became beginner. a word. Anyway, the point is, they are available as podcasts on iTunes, um, yeah. and we are slowly but surely uploading yeah. our past shows. We're almost, we're almost it's there. That's a while. Why. It's a lot of work. It's made it difficult <laughs> for us nowadays, but but uh, do not fret. If you go, if you go to iTunes, we'll we're gonna make a proper post on our website wotrradio.com, and you will be able to subscribe and, and all that. Couple. But if you, if you. Uh, if you can't wait, um, you can go to iTunes, search West of the Rockies, follow it, or do whatever you do. Uh, yeah, sign or, up for it. Or just go you to know, our website. Give us give us a five star review if you like it. And, and um, if you don't like it, word. 
do it anyway. We'll give you yeah. a couple of dollars. Yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> send you. Generally, we'll send you one of the West of the Rockies keychains. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple um, more announcements. Um, a few months ago, we did start our little newsletter section of yeah. our website. So we're going to be starting to send out newsletters, uh, you know, announcing. A lot, of, a lot of stuff coming up. Whether it's announcing interviews or speakers or events we're going to, just whatever. But what we're having for lunch any given day. Honestly, just help support us. Um, sign up to our newsletter on WOTRradio.com. Tell people about it, even if it's just for fun. Yeah. And the other thing is, one of our listeners, oh, yes. Courtney. Yes. Courtney. Um, Shout out to Courtney. She's a great Ross, supporter, honestly. Their little boy, Ace. One of the best supporters. Lovely person. And she's she was diagnosed with lupus, which is a mm-hmm. horrible i can't imagine many worse things to be mm-hmm. diagnosed with i mean it's a pretty bad thing so anyway um she's got a gofundme campaign so go fund her yeah. whatever a dollar 50 cents yeah. 10 dollars <clears throat> 100 dollars anything and just just follow her yeah. read her um updates and you'll realize that Every single cent will yeah. help. So go, yeah. go fund me. Um, I've tweeted it. Uh, Western Rockies and Frank have both retweeted it. But if you don't have any of those, go to gofundme.com slash Courtney. It's N-E-Y, Courtney, S-L-E lupus. Courtney S-L-E lupus is the slash. Yeah. And honestly, it feels, it feels good to give. And on, you know, we just got off, uh, the phone with, uh, Robert and we we're talking about unity and coming together. And honestly, I mean, you know, uh, if you can help, definitely help. And, Just anyone. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. So shout out, like I said, to Corny Ross, who also enjoys listening to the show. And, and she sends us Ace. great little gifts. She yeah, sent an amazing we're gonna, yeah, we, we, yeah, we're going to frame we it up. Frame it and post a picture because I loved it. And again, definitely help out and um, prayers and, and, and best wishes to them. And to everybody that tuned in, thank you so much. You know, we, we enjoy doing this show and we enjoy hanging out with everyone and talking about all this stuff with, with our guests and, and the listeners. Um, so, yeah. Spread the word. We're we and spread the love. <laughs> wow, <laughs> going all hippie right <laughs> yeah. now. Somebody, uh, yeah. Let me let me let me take the bong away from Genevieve because I can see I it's. Uh, oh, I <laughs> but uh, anyways, guys, take care. Be safe. God bless. Don't do anything too crazy. We want to see you back next week. Remember the website wtrradio.com. A lot of cool stuff we're going to be posting on there. Um, shows. Uh, don't forget the podcasts are going to be on iTunes. So sign up, download, and check five out star contact rate. in the desert. Contact in the desert dot com is the website if you can make it down to joshua tree check it out you will not regret it it's amazing fun um no added flavors thursday night with genevieve mm-hmm. uh send requests jokes and all that <laughs> craziness that she does as always i'm engineer frank on twitter west of the rockies on facebook genevieve you way on twitter follow the show on twitter at wotr radio and check out the website again wotrradio.com big thanks again to robert perala robertperala.com, The Divine Blueprint, and The Divine Architect are the books. Check out his music. Man, he does it all. Um, that being said, we're going to sign off with a little, this song because I, 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 I like this song. Little Blind Melon. No rain. Thanks for Take listening, it easy, guys. guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye.
Independent FM. New York, London, Philadelphia, Japan, Chicago, Paris, San Francisco, Tijuana, Los Angeles, California. The Independent FM Indie Radio live from Swinghouse Studios in Hollywood. This is the all-new Independent FM.